0: morning, everybody. Please turn with me to the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Um, we are continuing this morning in our series, uh, Call Me the Breeze. Um, and uh, does anybody know, well, I mean, actually, there's a couple people in the room. Does anybody know uh, what week we are in of, uh, of, of meeting in this way in, in live stream? What, what Sunday number is this? Take, yeah, Kara says 7, 8, 10. This is week 13, 13 now weeks that we've been doing this, plus the extra one for for Good Friday. So, um, you know, we continue to be praying about um, the best ways to... Uh, begin going back to gathering and trying to think about what the appropriate ways to do that is and, and the appropriate tension of of you know courage but also um, caution and uh, we just covet your prayers throughout all that conversation you know as the as the governor as the state executives or the county executives they start, you know, uh, relaxing some policies, relaxing some restrictions, you know, we want to live into the best way of loving each other in regards to that. So uh, we just covet your prayers, um, and um, uh, we just, as as Jen said, the work of the church is going to continue uh, uh, through all of this, um, even if, uh, hopefully not, but even if we had to do this for another 13 weeks. Um, So at any rate, uh, book of Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to start with the text today. So if you have your Bible, um, please turn with me book of Ephesians, chapter 1. And we'll just read the first 14 verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. This is the Word of God. So, today is Trinity Sunday. It's not that we don't typically focus on the Trinity for the other weeks of the year, but today is when we're called as a church uh, by maybe as we're called by the church historic to pay special attention to the mystery that our God who is one reveals himself to his creation in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It might be surprising to hear the word Trinity never actually appears in the Bible. Trinitarian language and theology, they come to us from church tradition that is based on scripture tradition, uh, interpretation. Well, we're gonna look at one of those passages today, or we just did in Ephesians. Some of you might be familiar with the um, Athanasian Creed which is roughly a 1,500-year-old statement of faith named after the church father, Athanasius, who championed Trinitarian theology in the 4th century. Now, I know some of you are thinking, oh, man, we're in for it today. When he begins a sermon quoting pre medieval church tradition, you know it's going to be a barn burner. Hear me out. The Athanasian Creed, it says this. It says, now this is the Catholic, Catholic meaning universal faith, This is what Christians believe, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither blending their purses nor dividing their essence. For the person of the Father is a distinct person. The person of the Son is another, and the Holy Spirit is still another. But the divinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one, their glory equal, their majesty co-eternal. Beautiful. There are many reasons why this is important, but for now, I want to focus on two. First, quickly, this is important because we are not polytheists. Like the Hebrew Shema says in Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. The God we speak of when we refer to the Trinity is Yahweh, the God of Israel, who reveals himself in three distinct persons. But the second reason Why the concept of the Trinity is important is because it is the shape of our community. The church imitates her God. It is how we embody the gospel for each other and more importantly for the outside world. Jesus himself said that the world would know that we are his disciples because of the love that we have for one another. God exists in eternal community the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, with each person of the Trinity fulfilling their roles in perfect harmony with the others. And therefore, that is our call as well. Now, I know what you're thinking. The words perfect harmony hardly describe the worldwide Church of Christ. But perhaps, perhaps it's there in ways greater than we realize. Can you imagine? being a part of, being in a part of the world that you were completely unfamiliar with. Imagine facing language barriers and cultural barriers and professional barriers and housing barriers. You don't know where to turn and you don't know what to do. And then suddenly you meet another Jesus follower. Someone who was alive to worship Christ and live who wants to seeks to live according to his new way of being human. They offer you to help they offer to help you because in their words we're on the same team. And then together you realize that if you're really going to live according to Jesus' call, you should both offer that same love in the name of Jesus to others, even and maybe especially if they don't believe in his name yet. Love is the shape of God's character, and it should be the shape of ours. This is why it it is so important that we support organizations like World Relief who work tirelessly and sacrificially to aid refugees and immigrants. It's exactly the kind of thing the Church of Jesus Christ should be spending time, money, and energy on. That's also why the Church should be relentlessly seeking to grow in our understanding of reconciliation specifically around the issues of of racial reconciliation and our call to racial and, and to call out racial disparity when we see it in our community when a part of our community speaks out and says that they don't feel like they matter the church pays attention even if it makes us uncomfortable because love not not just love not just the feeling of love but the action of sacrificial love, love that that costs us something. That's the shape of our mission. That's what it means to be a Christian. The conversations surrounding immigration and racial reconciliation are at the forefront of our society right now, but they are hardly the only issues we're facing. May, May the church be a safe space where we listen to each other encourage one another, and love according to the love that has been shown to us by our eternally loving God. That, that, that is why the Trinity is so important. So we're in this series right now on the Holy Spirit. We've looked at the Spirit's role in the Old Testament, and we've looked at the words of Jesus, and we looked at the Spirit's activity in the early church from Pentecost, And now I I want us to turn, and I want us to think about those words from the Apostle Paul. Roughly 20 years after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, what we call the Christ event, Paul wrote what was probably a a circular letter that was intended for the churches of the region of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. As far as we can tell, it appears that Ephesus operated as sort of a, a base camp for that operation, and that's why this particular letter is called Ephesians. In the ancient world, Ephesus played host to the temple of Artemis, which is considered now to be one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Artemis was the goddess of chastity, hunting, wild animals, forest, uh, childbirth, fertility. So so that was the context in which Paul and the early church uh, had found themselves in as they spread the gospel. Not only was the cult of, the, uh, of Artemis popular, uh, but also this was still the Roman world, so the cult of the emperor was still a widespread religion. Plus, there were cults um, to Greek gods like Zeus that were a part of the mix, and add to that the Jewish perspectives that would still would have been alive and well. It, it all created this kind of mixed religious milieu for the day. That's the context that Paul was, was writing into. Paul was proclaiming that Israel's God Yahweh was about the business of reconciling the whole world back to himself. But he also needed to communicate to Jewish believers that this new way of being Israel, called Christianity, was actually a new way of being human that everyone was invited into. So Paul says in Ephesians and Chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, he says, "'Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, "'who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing "'in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him "'before the foundation of the world, "'that we should be holy and blameless before Him.'" I love Paul's writing because it is so trinitarian. Even though Paul never uses the term Trinity, I love how when he writes and speaks of, of one person of the Trinity, it's as if he, he like intentionally trips over the other persons of the Trinity. Blessed be the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in spiritual blessings from heaven. Paul makes a comment about how the Father chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Remember back, to, to week one of the series when we say that, the, that at the foundation of the world, the, the, the Ruach, the, the Spirit of God, was hovering over the chaos and brought about cosmos. In that act of dynamic, creative movement, the Father has set us up in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit to be holy and blameless before Him. Paul goes on. He says, in love, the Father predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved, meaning Jesus, as in uh, my well-beloved son. In him, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to, and I love this, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to get this to unite all things, all things, all things, In him, things in heaven and things on earth. That's the good news. That's the gospel. This Trinitarian God who exists in eternal community has predestined us to be his sons and daughters through the redemption of Christ. In Christ, we have forgiveness of our sins, but we also have redemption. Meaning that that our stories, the stories of our lives, have been made right because they have been placed in the context of the larger story that God is telling from creation to new creation. Have you ever felt like your life doesn't make sense? Have you ever felt like you were living a story that just didn't add up? Paul is saying here that in Christ, Your story is going to find redemption because it has been placed in the larger context of the larger story that God has been telling since the foundation of the world. That is why nothing and no one is so far off track that they cannot find true north in Jesus Christ. There is nothing Nothing that cannot be redeemed because God's intention is to unite all things back together again. Being a Christian was never about, or it was never just about, you getting to go to heaven when you die. Being a Christ follower has always been about following God's lead in his agenda of cosmic reconciliation. Now, I'm a nerd. But, but have you ever felt and, like, thought about the fact that, that as far as we can tell, the universe is, is, like, infinitely big? Like, I don't know the science. Like, I don't know infinite, whatever. But, but like, really, really big. Like, have we ever looked up into the night sky and wondered if, if that's supposed to be a clue to what our home will be like one day when God fulfills verse 10 in Ephesians chapter 1? and unites all things. In our minds, we can barely comprehend what it would look like for God to rule over our lives, let alone our world. How much more unfathomably incomprehensible is the idea that one day God will rule over all worlds and unite them all together in King Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the ultimate hope. That's what this whole thing is headed towards. But what about today, you say? Paul continues. He says, in him... Now, this is funny. In him... Uh, you talk about the father or the son. Paul's like, exactly. We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. So, so if that word, inheritance... Reminds you of our of our Exodus series a few months ago. It, it should. Um, Paul, Exodus was a, was a story um, uh, deep in the tradition of the Hebrew people, that that ab- was about how God rescued them from slavery and led them into their inheritance, the the promised land. As you might recall, during their time in the wilderness, the people were led by a cloud of a cloud by day and, and fire by night as the Spirit of God guided them in deliverance and redemption and kind of redeemed their story by showing them that it was ultimately a key component to God's story. Now, in Ephesians, centuries later, Paul is using inheritance language to show that God is working all things together according to the purpose of His will. The thing is, our inheritance, it's not just land it's, it's not just our home uh, like, like we understand it now. It's the home we will inherit as sons and daughters of God in the reunification of heaven and earth. I realize that might sound a little pie in the sky or fanatical, but, but we have to be a people of hope. It's that hope that will be pointed towards as we live into the life that God has called us into in the here and now. Paul closes this section by saying, he says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, this is is, faith, is so important. "When, When you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. To the praise of His glory. Now, one of the most important principles in the New Testament, in New Testament studies, for those of you who are itching to go to seminary, is the principle of the now and the not yet. The theological phrase, the heavy theological phrase for that is inaugurated eschatology. It means that in one sense things aren't done yet. God's still telling the story. We don't have to look far to realize that God hasn't completed that mission of unifying all things under Christ. But in another sense, we are invited to participate in cosmic reconciliation. Not one day, one fine day when I fly away, but right now, today. That hurt. Right now, today. See, we don't want to be like Jonah, right? We don't want to be like sitting on the hillside waiting for God to smite the pagans because, you know, maybe COVID, or maybe riots, or maybe economic problems, they're all all signs of the end times, right? I can't wait for God to finally bring the fire. No, our call is to be a people so immersed in the riches of God's grace that He lavished upon us that others would see how we love others, would see how we love them, hear about how we speak about hope, and then desire to be a part of God's family by giving their lives to Jesus. We do that by the power of the Holy Spirit, who, according to Paul, is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. The the word guarantee, it's a financial word. It could also be translated down payment. The Holy Spirit is our down payment. Is God's down payment. When the Spirit of God descended on the early church on the day of Pentecost, the church for all time received the down payment that would seal their own salvation and give them the power needed to do the work of the kingdom. The the reason why I, I became a pastor is because I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is the assembly best equipped to proclaim that hope. According to Ephesians, according to Paul, what we are equipped by is the Holy Spirit. We are equipped with the Holy Spirit to do the work of proclaiming the gospel, which is the only news worthy of your heart's dedication. I believe that the best place to talk about the greatest issues of our day, issues that need to be talked about, is around the Lord's table which is all inclusive and centered on a premise of sacrificial love. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we are given the strength to imitate the Trinity's eternal community. We're given the strength to lift each other up. We're given the strength to confess those sins that distance us from others. And we're given the strength to invite the world to participate in God's agenda of cosmic reconciliation. I don't know about you, but when I get to the end of a week like this past one that we've had, my heart, it begins to burn. It, it begins to be broken. But it also begins to, to burn more fiercely for the purpose of the local church. I, I truly believe the local church is the hope of the world. And you might want to push back and you might want to say, well, the church is the hope of the world. Jesus is. Well, that's true. It's quite clear, though, that Jesus intends to use your life, your words, your strength, your hands, your job, your family, and our congregation to be his church for the sake of the world. Our only hope rests in what Christ has done, and he intends to use that he intends to use his gathering, his ecclesia, his his assembly to proclaim that message in thought, word, and deed. See, I believe that when the church is really being the church, we are best equipped to stand for justice. We're best equipped to live out love, sacrificial love, and we're best equipped to speak peace into the world's chaos. The church, it's far from perfect. But our God is. And when we live into the inheritance that that we've been offered by Him, that that is where we find not only His promises, but we find His purpose for each and every one of us. Let me pray. Father, I, I pray for this church I pray for the one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church of Jesus Christ. I pray that the local manifestations of that worldwide church would stand for love and joy and peace, patience, kindness and goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self control. The fruit of the Holy Spirit in our society, in our community, in our congregation, in our families. Father, we we seek to to follow your lead. We seek to to desire your strength and your courage as it comes from you, not not based on what we've accomplished, not based on our own merit, not based on on the things that uh, we've done through our own cunning, but but we ask to, to trust in your strength. Father, we know that all of this, all good things come from you. Help us to live into that. And when we feel um, the freedom to live into love and joy and peace, to faith and to hope, Father, help us have the courage to take that out to a world which desperately needs it. And help us to grow this congregation. Help us to grow your church according to your will. In Christ's name, amen.